0: Welcome everybody back to America's game we are back we are back from the dead they thought we were dead nope still here still kicking still breathing and I'm happy to be back and I'm joined by two of my co-hosts that are going to be joining me weekly on this sometimes it'll be both of them sometimes just be one of them Uh, I got Adam and Mike with me from the 4D chess from South Harmon what's going on guys
1: Oh yeah, what's up? Adam, what's that uh what's that movie? Wolf of Wall Street? I ain't fucking leaving.
2: <laughs> Eric. I ain't fucking leave. leaving. I'm not leaving. They're gonna need a wrecking ball to get America's Game out of the South Harmon YouTube feed. Uh I'm I'm excited for this, man. This is gonna be, yes. you know, the if you if you're tuning into America's Game like you probably have been for a while, come to check it out on our channel. He's gonna have it on here uh, every week, every Thursday, it's going to be on YouTube. Here, you can also find it like you normally could in the past on podcast form, wherever you want to get that. Spotify, Apple, wherever you want to. So, nothing's changing except for the location of it and the fact that now, apparently, Eric, you got to deal with one of the shit, one of the shit commanders um, weekly. So that might be a little more difficult for you dealing with one of us every single week on your show.
0: Nah, you guys, you guys have been good friends to me since uh you know a couple almost at least a year now you know we did um the start sit shows together we've done tons of podcasts together and shows for for your guys's stream and and other ones um you know i i've been pretty cool with both of you guys ever since so now nah, i'm happy to be a part of this man like like i said we're we're all really good friends there's no you know this isn't a transactional relationship so you know this is this is cool. So I, I'm happy to be doing that with two two friends. You know? Yeah, absolutely, so it's, it's man.
2: Nice be we, we've been uh, we you know, it's funny, man, because we, when we first started in Heisman and, you know, getting to know each other, a lot of the same, you know, humor and craziness processes at times a little different. But uh, mm-hmm. we, we are we we are we are really cool, man. And we've done. Starts it every single week last year, despite Mike or me having intolerable takes on who to start, he was there every week. He's here. He's here for America's game, man. We are going to enjoy this one. So everybody, buckle in. Uh, if you're new to this, this uh, at the South Harmon YouTube, you're in for a treat, man. Eric does a great job with America's game.
1: And make sure you're uh, you're welcoming him in, people. He's one of us. Google Gobble, one of us. And Eric, you know, don't don't trip, man. We are we are good friends. That is not how it started, though, right? We butted heads many a time. <laughs> we gotta tell, we gotta tell the
2: real for early part, right? Yeah, Keep it. that might
1: be w- like
0: a, an AMA one time or something.
2: I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I love
1: it. But the, the the minute I found out Eric was AMA in free part. free agency, man, I picked up the phone, man, I called the agent, like, "Hey, we're claiming you off waivers."
2: <laughs> yep, that was one of those waiver <laughs> wire pickups that you're just like, "All right, well, this is why I have my Fab because this is a this is a must add." Oh, I'm glad I yeah, saved it no. too. I, I blew that whole load.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, before we do start, though, I do want to mention you know, there were so many people in Scott's group me uh, from Discord from twitter a lot of people dming me about hey man when's the show coming back that's my favorite show on the feed um you know i miss it all this stuff that was my favorite thing to do on saturday as i go out walk the dog or you know i'm taking the kids to you know some sport or something like that and i would listen to it all the time i just want to say that's one of the reasons that you know i did reach back out to like adam and mike and we kind of got the ball rolling a little bit um Talking was there was so many people that reached out and said how how much they missed um, the show. Just I mean I know I know some of it's me. Most of it is from Scott. Scott will be on here once in a while as well. But no, I really do appreciate you know everyone that reached out and said this is their favorite show. You know one of their favorite shows that they listen to and that they gain so much knowledge and just roster stuff that we always did. So no, I just want to say thank you to everybody that you know, did reach out. It, it really meant a lot. Um, I know like the July 4th weekend, man, they just tell a quick story. Uh, July 4th weekend, NFL Network always does the America's game reruns of their show that they do. So I literally got at least 15 messages just that weekend alone, just because I think people were watching NFL Network and the show was on. They're like, oh man, America's game. Oh yeah, whatever happened to it? You know, stuff like that. So I think that had a lot to do with it too, but uh, no I just wanted to say uh, appreciate all of you guys for listening. We're back, hopefully better than ever and uh we're going to get this thing uh this thing rolling,
1: man. Hey, and and make sure you guys are tapped into Eric will be doing start, sit with us during the season when we bring it here on this YouTube channel. So the trifecta will be back together every Sunday. (laughs) We might not always be a trifecta on America's game, but we'll have Eric. I know you had some, uh, some pretty damn good guests on when you had the last time, even when Scott wasn't in having Scott on is always a pleasure. But uh, you, you talked about the people reaching out to you, like missing it i missed it man like that was one of the few things that i was able to consume and partly because of you know saturday and you and scott had a good connection and a good vibe but you also were growing into your own as a as a content creator and you right. know i've been adam and i have been down this trip with shit. i mean who are we can we still growing we still growing but you were getting so damn good you know uh you had that episode with uh, uh matt bruning i believe on their where you were talking with him when Scott was gone and your interview skills were like, I was like, damn, Eric is, Eric's killing it, man. I feel like he's light years ahead of where the hell I was at that point. So uh, it's incredible. It's an incredible opportunity to to be able to have you on here. And I'm, I'm extremely excited, but this is enough of the sappy shit, man. We got a show to do. What are we talking about? Like it's the first episode. We got to bring the, bring us in, man.
2: Bring us into the mind of America's game. The, the, you know, the continuing, what do we got? Yeah, well, just a quick
0: touch on that. That Matt Bruning episode was definitely probably my favorite episode of America's Game. Um, I put Damn, in a lot of work Damn, that's fire, Mike. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, we, it, we were on after it, the draft, not, weren't we? It was uh, – I mean, it's not because of, you know, and all my guests were great and all that, but it was just that one was more personal for me because it Scott had stuff to do that week and whatever. So it was all left up to me. So I had to, like, actually prepare and come up with questions and do it all and set it up correctly. And I thought I did a pretty good job on it. So that's uh, no, you killed it, man. You killed it. You killed
2: it. You killed that one. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah.
0: All right. So what do I want to talk about today? So today. You know, I'm looking in the group me chats for Scott's. I'm looking at your guys's discord and I'm looking at what is the one thing that like everybody's talking about right now. And right now it's Jonathan Taylor. And what do we do with him in dynasty and trades and stuff? So that's where I wanted to start. This is what are we going to do with Jonathan Taylor as far as trading goes in dynasty right now? I know Scott has mentioned it quite a bit that he's basically any first and another running back, he's gone. I think Scott even mentioned like Samaje P. Ryan on a first and J- Jonathan Taylor's gone. Um, I've seen some people talking about and Scott's group me as well, like they wanted to like James Cook in a first for Jonathan Taylor. And that was even getting turned down sometimes. I think I'm still a little bit higher on Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I, I get it this year might not be the best we don't even know if he's gonna play he's on a crappy team he might shut it down towards the end of the year with like a quote you know fake injury or something if he's not healthy enough he might just like hey i can't go sorry you know one of those things and and that does creep into my head too like he definitely could do that because i don't think this team's gonna be you know some juggernaut playoff team that's you know 10 11 12 wins or anything so what are we, what are you guys looking to do with with Jonathan Taylor. Are you looking to just sell him off for our first and another running back like Scott is or do you have higher hopes like I do that I kind of want I want somebody better than James Cook in the first.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's funny cuz we got this question yesterday on AMA and and believe it or not this is unplanned, this is not rehearsed and we're on the same page, man. I I I got the question. I kind of saw it in AMA and I'll just talk to you about my thoughts on it. Like It would be very dependent on the league and the situation and what I'm doing for me to say I'm just going to take a first in in any running back. Like typically for me, it's going to be a team I don't want to compete on. It's going to have to be, you know, a league where I think I can replace Taylor a lot easier. Like if we're in if we're in a lot of these shallow lineup leagues, for example, like I know I know you think that running back's more replaceable than the other positions, and I still agree with that. But Jonathan Taylor can be a difference maker and is one of the premier guys still at the running back position. Like, he's still one of the guys that can absolutely help win you a league in a shallow lineup league. So, especially over in that type of a format, like you can kind of get bent, man. One of your random firsts and, you know, James Cook. or uh, James Cook's at least a name where there's more value, so I could understand that one more. But, like, Samaje Piran, definitely no. Um, I don't know. I think the other thing on, on this that I talked about before, and I'll kick it to Mike, is... Okay, yes, we're going to look this year and you're going to say, had Barkley not gotten the deal done, same thing. But he did get a deal done. But Jacobs, you're looking at you know now JT being unhappy. Maybe these guys, they play enough games, they get their year accrued and then towards the end of the year, if they're banged up or the team's not that good, they they sit out. Sure. But guess what? Every running back on your team that we're talking – this is August 2nd we're recording this. You're hearing this on the 3rd. Go through and name me a running back on your team, any one of the teams in your leagues, and you say, yeah, they're going to play in the playoffs for sure. It's going to happen. <laughs> You're kidding yourself. You you don't know that. So why why are we saying we are going to predict that far down the road with Jonathan Taylor? When one, it may not even be the case, and two, every running back on your roster could be missing time in the playoffs. Like that that to me is not something that I'm going to pivot off of an asset in a running back that's that elite in my in my mind.
1: I think the the overall process, like the sentiment of tearing down to a running back and a future first. It makes sense, but I'm not willing to go as crusty as, like, what I've heard already. You know what I mean? Like, it, the JT News has opened up the the tier that I'm willing to go to for that first round, but I'm not going, to, like, my, my ranks, if you guys follow my stuff, you're part of the Patreon, and you can see the ranks, right? Like, we get past, like, RB24, and I go, nope, not a fucking chance in hell, right? Like, RB25 on down? No, no, I don't want... You know, I I love Antonio Gibson, but I don't want Antonio Gibson in a first. Okay. I just don't for my Jonathan Taylor. I'll die with Jonathan Taylor before I ever let that happen. It has opened it up though, probably to that next tier. Like if you told me if there was no JT no JT news, right? We we were sure he's coming in and he's playing and we didn't have all this drama. And you know, maybe they gave him an, a, a contract extension already. Let's live in that hypothetical wor- world world. Like I tell you, like, you know, Josh Jacobs in the first. Okay, Najee Harris in the first. You know, if you still believe in Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker in the first. And I go, that's probably where I end. Like, I don't really want Travis Etienne or J.K. Dobbins or like one of these guys. It would have to be, like Adam said, league specific. If I'm competing, I can talk myself into Derrick Henry in the first. You know, I'm going to get similar production plus I net a first. I'm only looking at a one-year window. But because of this this news. It's opened up that tier where I go, no, Cam Akers in a first. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can get behind it. You know Damian Pierce, I'm not a big Damien Pierce yeah. guy, but Damien Pierce in a first, uh, Joe Mixon in a first, Aaron Jones in a first, like it's opened it up to those crusty producers, not Damien Pierce, but those other guys. And I go, that makes a lot of sense to me. But then I start looking at the next tier that I have after him. And it's like Tank Bigsby, no. Charbonnet, no. Miles Sanders, Rashad White, like those kind of guys. No, I'm good. I'm good. The other point I have about Jonathan Taylor, too, is we got to look or, or hold him in a different lens, right? Like if this situation was going on with, uh, let's say it's it's Austin Eckler. Well, what's the biggest difference between Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor? They've, they've both been elite producers in the last couple of years. Like we've seen them both be elite producers, but one of them's not even 25 yet. Hasn't even finished his first contract. And the other guy's damn near 28 years old. Like, if this happens to a 28-year-old running back, forget it. Like, you, we've seen these guys fall off a cliff like that, and they're done. Like, it's over. It's Le'Veon Bell. It's Todd Gurley. We've, we've seen you be good, but you got so old that nobody gives a shit anymore. Your career's done. Like, it's fine. You move on to the next team, and you're probably half-assed your trash. I don't think we've ever seen it with a running back this young who's hit that elite threshold. Right, there's some young running backs who have hit dynasty value like cliffs or or have like fallen off. If you think of Cam Akers or J.K. Dobbins because of their injuries, what's different between those guys and Jonathan Taylor? Those guys never had an elite season on their resume. Like they've had flashes, but they never hit elite seasons as overall producers. So I think when it's somebody this young, We got to treat the situation a little bit differently, and that's why I say, man, I get down to these other running backs like the A-chains of the world in a first. I go, no, I'm good, man. I'll just write out Jonathan Taylor because I said on the AMA, it's we act like if he doesn't play football this year or he misses games or he sits out week 17, whatever the story is, he's not playing at all in 2024. Like He won't be on a team somewhere. The Colts are just going to hold him for two years and not let him play football, or he's going to choose to not play football. Get out of here. That ain't happening. Like, at the worst case, he's being back in 2024, and would I rather have 25-year-old, you know, going on 26-year-old Jonathan Taylor for one more year for the cost of a first one? I've already seen him do elite levels of production. Yeah, yeah, it's still dynasty. I know we want to shorten our windows on running backs and think of them as year to year, but those elite guys, there's a reason they're elite and a reason that they're a little bit more of a safer asset. I'm fully aboard, though, past a certain range of running back. Like, just treat those dudes like one-year assets, right? If something bad happens to Austin Eckler this year or Nick Chubb, you guys love the Browns, right? If something bad happened to Nick Chubb this year, it's over as far as dynasty value. It's done. It's done. If something bad happens, we we just seen it with Brees Hall, right? We also have Dalvin Cook on the verge, maybe of signing with the Jets, and he's still retaining his value coming off an ACL. Why? Because of the youth. Like people still invest in that when you've produced at an elite level, which Brees Hall did, which Jonathan Taylor has done for a couple years. So that's where I'm at with JT. I'm not fully on board this panic. I understand. Maybe uh, loosen your butthole, per se, just a little bit. Like, oh, this don't make me feel so good. Uh, but it's you don't need to panic. Those are the kind of people I try to take advantage of, actually, in all my leagues as the ones who following in uh, Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling it these days and just riding on every single report that comes out or everything conjecture-wise that some, uh, you know, coked-out owner says about his players. Coked-out owner, nice.
0: Um are you looking to do the same, though, for like you mentioned, like the 28-year-old guys, the Ecklers, the McCaffreys, the Barkleys, uh, Derek Henry, you know, Jacobs is coming up on his second contract here soon. Are you looking to like, would you take a first in any running back for those guys too, kind of the same situation just because they are older, even even though they're healthy, they're ready to go, the season's here, you know, they're ready to kick it off for us. So are you willing to do the same thing for those types of guys?
1: That one makes a lot more sense, right? Because the right. risk is so much more with, with somebody who's 27, 28, 29 years old with his amount, amount of work that they've had already. Like e- even as great as Christian McCaffrey is, right? Like if Christian McCaffrey has a bad season or kind of an injury riddled season, what do you think he's worth next year? Like people move on, they forget about him. Christian McCaffrey basically becomes like an Aaron Jones in value right? Like if I'm on a contender, I can see myself rostering them if the price is right, but like, I really don't want to pay a first. Nobody's going to give me a first unless it's a specific situation. So those guys at that age, yes. I'm. I fully embrace the, the, the Scott Connor approach. That's what I'm going to call it where I go. Samaje P Ryan in a first. Yeah. I'll just roll the dice and say that Samaje scores anything remotely close to him. And I just pocket the first. So I'm with him on that one, but it has to be those specific like older on the fringe running the risk of, you know, being dead as far as the dynasty community is concerned tomorrow.
0: Yeah, there's a few guys like just kind of looking at my rankings too like that I would move Taylor for, like you mentioned like miles Sanders. I think miles Sanders is locked into like a, a three down role. Like I think if I can get miles Sanders in a first for Jonathan Taylor right now, I think I'd be okay with it. Uh, You mentioned like ETN, Aaron Jones is tough just because he's on his second contract. He's 28. Mm. He could come flying down the Hill here at any minute and being worth nothing uh Damian Pearson the first I would easily take Pearson the first for Taylor right now. So yeah, I mean there there's just different players I would do it for and there's some that I won't do it for. I think like you I think you mentioned like before that you would do like if I could get you know Naji Harrison the first or Mixon the first I just don't think that's happening. If you can, awesome, but I just don't think that's gonna be happening in many leagues like I said some of the people in Scotts chat were looking at these James Cook Pacheco Rashad whites that kind of range to get you know to give up to Taylor if they can pull it off sure but I just think Taylor's like you Taylor's just way too damn good and he's super elite I would need a better player back in my opinion to to even consider doing that
2: I, I think too um, the one thing I'll say is for the other side because I we're, we're all we, we just all have mentioned we're all in agreement like there's not really much debate for me as far as the talent of Taylor I understand he's going to be off of his rookie contract now and his value may start to tread down but typically guys of this type of athleticism this type of profile that have the ceiling that he does and has shown it like it's not like this is a hypothetical with Taylor like Mike already mentioned right we've seen it. So, I want to typically stay away from selling those guys what feels like the only thing on the other side I will mention is this kind of is a context dependent on what you have and what you're going to do, right? So, for example, if you know in your league that you get one of these running backs that Mike and me and even Eric says no to, right? But if you're if you were to take a deal like that that we don't agree with And you're going to say, all right, now I have a liquid first and I have a running back that I probably am not going to start in a shallow lineup league. But let's just say in theory you're doing that. But you know in this type of economy in your league that that first and that player or what you already have in assets can go buy you something that's going to cost you less than Taylor. So, for example, you can net that and you can send away a second or a second plus and you can get to you know a Miles Sanders type or something like that. If if that's your plan, I, I understand what you're doing. To me, though, Um, it's just really risky getting off of a guy like Taylor in a panic hype situation in conjecture season, because there's a scenario where he's going to play the whole year. They figure something out. We saw Barkley have that happen. How many, how many Barkley lights did you see sold? I saw a lot. I tried to buy as many as I could. I didn't get quite enough, but I got a few of them. Right? So my point is, I think in this turmoil, Sometimes it's good to get ahead of it and make a good deal, right? If you can find those, go ahead. But I think one thing I would be cautious of is selling off of a, a name like Taylor right now when the running back market as a whole is, is as dead as it's ever been. Speaking of America's game coming back, the running back position is dead too. We thought it was dead, right? But if Taylor ends up being a league winner this year and you sold for a random first, that ends up being late and that because that person now got Taylor who's a running back three and winning a title, like... I know there's risk on, on keeping Taylor, but at least admit to yourself there's risk the other way around, and you better have a process in, involved if you're going to take this type of trade. How are you going to buy back? What does it look like in your leagues? Can you get running backs at reasonable prices in this league? You know, Can you find a way to get running backs like Jacobs of last year, Pacheco's of last year? Like, If you're going to make a deal like this, I think you really need to have a plan, and you need to have you need to have context of what you have in assets to do so.
0: So another ones, uh, other running backs I wanted to talk about as well that have a little bit of uh, warts on them right now. Stank. Jake, Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, you know, with his uh, contract holdout. I'm I'm assuming reading the tea leaves so far from the stuff on Twitter from John Harbaugh and stuff that Dobbins is just holding out for a contract purposes. Uh, we had Kenneth Walker get the uh, – Groin injury, is he going to be available for week one? Or are they just taking it real slow with him? Josh Jacobs, I mean, there just doesn't seem anything going on there with the Jacobs news. Like, there's just no news if he's even going to close to signing with them or anything like that. Brees Hall, they're just taking it real, real easy with him right now with the ACL. Uh, it sounds like maybe in a week or two they're going to ramp him back up and will he even be available for uh, week one? They're talking about signing Dalvin Cook, so we can throw that in there, too. How is that going to affect Brees this year? Javante Williams, everything sounds awesome for Javante that he's doing contact, he's wearing pads, he's doing everything. But, man, he tore the ACL, the LCL, and the PCL. And it's just never a good bet to ever bet on a running back like that coming off of that major of an injury. I don't want to like invest in him or anything like that. And then DeAndre Swift is the other one where it sounds like, you know, they brought in Rashad Penny to really be like maybe that first and second down grinder. And Swift is just going to kind of be like a Swiss Army knife reception monster. Play on third down, stuff like that. And he's not really going to have the value that we thought he had in like Detroit last year. I know you guys are big Swift fans, so um, tackle any of those running backs you guys want to talk. I'll about. start
2: with the. I'll start with the last one here. Um, now I want to mention this because I think I do think that this one's uh, interesting and important. One, because I think there is a real scenario, and I think Philly is trying to utilize Penny in that way. But let's talk about. Go ahead and look through his career. And let's talk about how many times this planned slasher role for him's ever made a a staying point. It's it's never has. Now it could, but you're betting against something that's never happened. On the flip side, even if even if Swift has a Rashad Penny injury or there's a bunch of work coming his way, he's also had a hard time staying on the field. So you're, you're looking at that backfield. as very um, high octane offense. You want t- you want touches out of that running back room. Like I want. Touches there, you do know you probably have some touchdown like vulturing coming from Jalen Hurts potentially, but it's just such a good offense. I want the running back, but right now, like projecting that running back room is going to be interesting. We don't know how they're going to use Swift. We don't know how healthy Swift or Penny can stay. And personally, I, what I'm not doing, like I don't really want to trust Kenny Gainwell, but you know, and, and on lineup leagues, you just mention. you you just kind of I think with him, you're holding him on lineup leagues and just waiting until and seeing what happens. And if there is a shot there's maybe some value there, but like right now I don't project him to do much.
0: Yeah. I just don't know how many touches there are to go around there with Swift and the Eagles. Like Gainwell's not going to just sit there and not do anything. He's going to get your five, six touches. Swift. We've seen, he can't handle more than 10 touches a game. It seems like at least how the Alliance used him. Um, And then, you know, Penny, you know, you want to try and keep him fresh, too, and not have him using, you know, 20 carries a game or anything as well. So it would be interesting to see how that goes. Go ahead, uh, Mike.
1: So this is the Resident Eagles fan of the here trifecta here. Here okay. we go. I am more willing to invest in DeAndre Swift than a lot of those other guys that you named, too, right? Like the J.K. Dobbins thing. I really like J.K., the, the whole contract situation between the two is, is hilarious too because John Harbaugh is the one who put him in this fucking position to begin with, right, by trying to keep his stupid streak alive in the preseason, got him hurt, will cost him a season. They rushed him back last year, had to miss more time. And then when he finally got back towards the end of the year and looked healthy, he was, he was the J.K. Dobbins that we all expected. Now we go into this season, you know, I haven't heard it. A peep about Gus Edwards. Like it felt like everybody was on the Gus Edwards train about this time last year, even though he also had a knee injury and then we didn't see shit from him. And I, I feel like we're, we've 365 days later and I still haven't heard shit about Gus Edwards. So it does feel like the Ravens need JK Dobbins. And if I was him, I'd be, I'd be furious because I'm in this position in the first place. So, uh Swift and J.K. Dobbins are probably the two most likely on that list that I would I would be okay investing in. Uh Javante Williams, this is the thing last year when he got hurt, right? And you mentioned how devastating the injury was, and we had just seen it with J.K. And at the time that Javante got hurt, J.K. was nowhere near looking like old J.K. Dobbins. It looked horrible. All the training camp footage looked, looked brutal and abysmal. He could barely move. Wasn't bending his leg when he was walking. It was crazy. Um, but Adam and I did say when he got hurt, right? People are, are you know, I'll take any first, twenty I'll take anything. I'll take, you know, give me two seconds, whatever. Let me just get off them. I understood what they were talking about, but I also knew the psychology of people. And whether you like Javante Williams or not, if you sold for just any first or any couple of seconds or whatever the case was, you sold low last year. That was the one thing we cautioned against was. There's going to be some report at some time where it's like he's ahead of schedule, he's doing this, and people get right back on the whole Javante Williams hype train. Now, this is the time where you capitalize, and I'm with you, Eric, like if I got a lot of Javante, if I could move him now and I get a first and a second, like getting that extra, squeezing that extra second out or squeezing in an extra third out or in best ball, squeezing that extra, you know, third string wide receiver that might have a chance to actually help me compete this year that was well worth me just holding on instead of just panic selling at the minute he got inj- injured so on the deandre swift thing i really like him because he's on a offense that is we know for a fact is dynamic it is one that's going to score a shit ton of points they have a fantastic offensive line they have weapons all over the place and whether it's uh DeAndre Swift or whether it's a guy like Joe Mixon. Like I don't think I think at this stage in his career, Joe Mixon, it probably wouldn't go down as one of the most talented running backs just because he's been so beat up. And there was times last year he looked horrible, but I still very much like Joe Mixon because he plays with the Bengals. And that offense is going to be in the red zone a lot. And he's going to have a lot of chances just to fall into the end zone. DeAndre Swift, I do feel is is Joe Mixon, but maybe three years ago. <laughs> Joe Mixon three years ago, but on as good of an offense. And that's what gets me excited. Rashad Penny, uh, I have yet to see him have a good game versus anybody but a horrible, horrific defense. If you remember a couple years ago, He had that stretch and it was like he played the bottom four defenses in a row or four out of the bottom five defenses in a row there and people lost their minds. And then we go into last year and he didn't do shit outside of playing a, a, at the time, horrible Detroit Lions defense where he just gaped him. And that was it. After that, he got injured and we never saw Rashad Penny again. I'm not going to put any stock in that guy, like taking a lot of work away from somebody who I think is much more talented, could be a three down back, which probably won't be utilized that way. Kenneth Gainwell. I mean, I know he's on the team. (laughs) That's about all I can say for him. I had a lot of hopes for him. He was one of my favorites coming out. I had a lot of hopes when he went to the Eagles, but we've never really seen anything from him. Like if he gets his two, three touches, congratulations to him. Like he's just more of a spell back at this point. So, I'm more comfortable investing in DeAndre Swift. I'm not investing in him like I did last year with, you know, Antonio Gibson and those guys. I'm not sending my first. It's it's August. We're recording this on August 2nd. I'm not I'm not liquidating a first right now. We're pushing a first in uh to go get one of these types of running backs like I'm aiming much higher much higher, apparently, to those people who are panicking on Jonathan Taylor. I'll send them my Samaj P. ride and my my first for that. Like, I'll do that. I'll push the first in for that caliber of player, but not for uh, one of these running backs in this range. J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. Like, I'm good, but I do like him. I just want that to be known. I don't hate every running back this year. I do like him, and it's not just because I'm an Eagles fan. I think he's extremely talented. I think Dan Campbell... Just really hated the fact that the guy was banged up all the time, didn't practice, so he just never gave him the workload. I don't think Nick Sirianni is going to play it the same way. I think he'll utilize him. To what extent he catches passes remains to be seen. There was once upon a time we thought Cam Newton couldn't throw to a running back at all, and then Chris McCaffrey happened for him, and all of a sudden he, he could throw to a running back. So uh, I, I'm not going to say Jalen Hurts can't throw to a running back, but, He's only had Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, and Miles uh, you know Stonehands to throw the ball to. So uh, now he actually has a pass-catching weapon. We'll see if it actually comes to fruition. And everything I've been hoping DeAndre Swift could be actually comes true this year.
2: Yeah, and I also think one last tiny point on that is that DeAndre Swift, even on limited volume, we've always seen has big play upside. But if you tell me that type of a workload, which is not even sustained at the high-end level of touches – is going to be that type of an athlete that can pop off plays in chunks in the Philly offense. I think that's a little bump for him, even if he's still in a role, which we don't love for fantasy. I think his ability with limited touches in that offense is a little different anywhere, than anywhere he's been.
0: Yeah, I think the one point I want to bring up, too, is I think it's going to be hard to predict, though, when Swift is going to have those games. For sure. Best ball, sure. Lineup, oh, man. I'm shitting a brick trying to decide when to play him because
2: – So we're we we getting, we're getting the start-sit crew back together for all our DeAndre Swift every week, right?
0: <laughs> right, pretty much. it was, like, every question last year. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, like, we haven't even mentioned A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, like, and Jalen Hurts running the ball. Like, those guys all got to get their touches too, you know. Swift's gonna get touches. Gainwell's gonna get touches. Swift's gonna get touches. So like, there's a lot of people to get the ball to there, um, and then it's gonna be super hard to trust Swift weekly, um, especially in lineup leagues. So maybe in your lineup leagues, you can maybe see if you can deal Swift and and uh, move up. Maybe he still has enough name cachet. Do you think somebody would take Swift in a first for Taylor? You know maybe that's something you could do um, I think I think yeah. right
2: now it could happen I was actually that was gonna be what's funny is that's a perfect segue I was gonna give that question to Mike on the opposite end Mike if someone let's talk about it because he's giving it to you on the flip side we were talking about tearing down from Taylor and what do you get it first for what what, what level of mm-hmm. running back we mentioned a bunch of names but didn't mention DeAndre Swift so which side of the coin are you on with him
1: this is this is tough right I the, tear-
2: tell- the this is the tough <laughs> isn't it yep
1: I'm gonna tell the audience don't do it. This is one of the few times where I, you know, I give advice and I don't follow through. You're
2: not going to practice what you preach? Oh.
1: I love DeAndre Swift that much. Like I am I am that much in on him where if you offered me Swift in a first for my Jonathan Taylor, I'll just let JT go. Like I would. I would take the mm. Swift in the first side. Now, I don't think that's probably the right process play for a lot of people, you know, when we go back to our first conversation there about Jonathan Taylor, I think it's too low. And Eric, you brought up a lot of points on why that would be risky as well. I I don't advise people to do it, but if you're, I guess if you're like me and you love DeAndre Swift and you you love the Philadelphia Eagles offense, then yes. Like I am in, one of the things about DeAndre Swift that I really like, Miles Sanders, I had high hopes for Miles Sanders for the longest time. And I was always frustrated with his usage and it turns out that Miles Sanders last year, even with Kenneth Gainwell there, even with Boston Scott there, and they they had, you know, they had fucking Trey Sermon kicking around there for a while too, you know, like people thought that was going to be a thing. I also just kind of attribute like Trey Sermon to Rashad Penny, but, you know, not as sexy, I guess, <laughs> in some people's mind. If we, we're all talking about like the usage of, of DeAndre Swift, what can it be or is it going to be frustrating Miles Sanders had frustrating usage, and it didn't really matter, right? It didn't matter, and I think he's much less talented than DeAndre Swift is or ever, ever was <laughs> at any given point. So last year, just you talked about, Eric, like consistencies and spike weeks as far as like starting them. I mean, on the spreadsheet that we got over here, Miles Sanders came in at 14th, like RB14, which is actually pretty good considering all the guys in that range Are frustrating starts, you know, picking which when to start them or when to put them in your lineup like Joe Mixon's in here and he's got RB nine finish and then he's got an RB 43 and then a 14, then a 28, you know, a couple 11s, a 22, 25, like outside of the ranges that matter. Miles Sanders surprisingly had more consistent weeks than than Joe Mixon did. And he had just as many spike week, which, which is crazy. So if we ask ourselves a question, if we just take one for one, a guy that I think is one more talented than Miles Sanders, and I don't even factor that part in, if we just one for one DeAndre Swift into whatever role Miles Sanders carved out for himself, which was only 50% of snaps in reality, why couldn't he be RB14, RB13 at this? And I don't really care about like when I gotta put him in my lineup. In best ball, it's a perfect scenario, but in this range of running backs, there's not a sure thing in here. Even with the guys like big names, you go, if Joe Mixon's playing, I'm starting him because he plays on the Bengals, he's more inconsistent than Miles Sanders was. And and Miles Sanders is is half the guy that, that Joe Mixon is. So I that's why I love DeAndre Swift because I think we just keep looking at the negatives or we try to juxtapose what he did on the Lions. And I'm like, well, what if we look in the rose-colored glasses and look at the rose-colored glasses and just juxtapose what he what Miles Sanders did in the Eagles last year and just change the name to Andre Swift. And I go, if that's the case, holy shit, it's not a high bar to hit for him to actually matter in fantasy and be an incredible value. So the overall question, Adam, of JT for Swift in a first, that's why I'm going – shit I'll roll the dice baby let me let me ride with Swift I know gambling's the hot topic with all these Iowa State players getting suspended forever but uh, let me roll the dice man I'm ready I'm ready to put down my wager on DeAndre Swift this year
2: Mike's ready to continue to be hurt like normally I say you're ready to be hurt again he's just ready to continue to be hurt I love it
1: <laughs> I, I think up, I think I think, it's a, I
2: think it's a tough line man I think it's a tough line depending on the situation where you what, what you would do there I think if you take the Swift side, I understand it, and it's more of a process play of now you're netting a first. If Swift burns you, you were planning on potentially Taylor burning you, and now you have the first to kind of use and play around with. But I I think that's probably a a very tough one that's going to be totally dependent on my league and my team. Like that's a very – I think that's a trade that some people would offer and some people would accept right now. So I think it's like a a really fair one in a way.
0: Right. Right. The other one that we um I mentioned in there that we didn't really talk about yet is Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. So, you know, the betting odds say Dalvin's going to sign there. It hasn't happened yet.
2: What uh, what, what, what happened by the way? Everyone everyone assured me this was going to happen last Friday. <laughs> we, we this is right, a done deal. Remember, remember yeah. when uh you know, he was going to sign in Miami too and and Devon A. Chain was screwed. <laughs> Anyway,
0: Supposedly, from what I heard, he wants like three years, thirty million, and the Jets only offered one year, five million.
2: Well, I'm sure they'll figure that out. Then that's not that. That's not that much, <laughs> yeah, the it's just
0: like Dalvin's—you know—just thinking way too high here for what the running back market is right now. It, it's kind of no, like I'm just, when we
2: brought Eric on, right? Like he said what he needed, we said what we needed. It, it was really far off to begin with, but we got there. You know, we'll we'll get there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if it was like $5 to $250, we, we settled at $4. We're good. <laughs> but no, what, uh, with Dalvin Cook, if he does sign there with the Jets and we have Brees and Dalvin there, that obviously creates a conundrum in the backfield already because they have Michael Carter, Izzy Abandicanda, who all of us love, uh, Zonovan Knight, another guy that we all loved last year, too. Like, they're not keeping five backs. They're going to be cutting one of those guys. And everything from what I've read is it's between Carter and Zonovan Knight, then of who they would cut. Um, so, not even that's not even the main point. But if Dalvin does sign there with Brees, how do you guys feel about them for this year? Like, if you're like going into your redraft league, um just kind of talk talk to me about it like how you guys feel because i i want to talk about it with somebody because i don't know how i feel about it All do right. i want am i still gonna take Brees hall in round four round three you know do you drop him back to round four or five in a redraft where do you take dalvin stuff like that
2: well um anytime someone says i don't know how to feel and I, i'm happy to tell you how to feel so i'll take the reins here um Mike we, Mike, we, Mike, and I just came off of an underdog stream, our first one. We said we were going to do like months ago, and we finally did one. And uh, we took Brees Hall. We took Brees Hall. I was a little more torn, but ultimately we took him where we did, and I was—I really had no qualms with it because in that range where, where we took Brees Hall, which was at the third turn, the back of the third turn into the fourth, like what, is, what else are you going to shoot for upside with? really, when you get into the redraft right now. now Is there someone that is going to outscore Brees Hall at the running back position later? Probably. But you can you pick who that is? So in my mind, I think at a certain point, you're basically betting on a guy that's still, he's coming off the ACL. So we, it's not ideal, right? But this is a guy, if you just think about last year, before the really big explosion, the final few games before he got hurt, on limited, limited touches, was balling out and showing out. So I, I see that scenario already where you take him and redraft, and you kind of know it's not going to be the most sexy thing for the first few weeks, especially if Cook's there. But one, Dalvin Cook's an old running back that w- what have we seen? It's not Rashad P- Penny level, but this is a guy that's always been banged up too. Brees Hall towards the end of the year I think could be a league winner. I really do. Um, does that mean I want to take him ahead of ADP and like take him ahead of running backs that I think are more safe? No, but – I think there's a point where he's a value. For Dalvin Cook, I mean, he he's already probably going to be somewhat of a value in, in drafts, I'd imagine, um, just because he's getting older and there is Brees Hall there. So it, it would totally depend on where his ADP settles for me with Dalvin Cook. I'd be fine taking him in certain spots. But like I, I think, to me, Brees Hall, the panic on him, it feels like it's already getting too far. And when Dalvin Cook, if it actually happens and inks a deal there— uh, his ADP could dip even further, which is where in redraft leagues we still have probably two or three weeks before those drafts happen. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Brees Hall. I'm, I'm taking the risk in my redraft leagues. I don't play in that many, but I'm taking the risk.
0: I I got uh, a home redraft league on Saturday just because uh, there's one guy in the league who is uh, from Europe and he's over here uh, vacationing, so they wanted to do the draft while he was here. Uh, Live in so person draft. It. Yeah, live in-person draft, so we're doing that We're doing that Saturday, so that's why I'm like trying to pick your guys' brains on how you feel about Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook right now, but Mike, Mike what do you got? Yeah.
1: So, this is so weird, Adam, because just a week ago we were talking about when Dalvin Cook signs, and now it's if Dalvin Cook signs, <laughs> and that sounds pretty far apart to me, right? Like 30 mil to 5 mil, that's a pretty big gap, you know, 25 mil is a lot of money, but Here's the thing. Some of the pushback I got when we talked about this last week on a podcast was you know, I said if – I think it was more of a win at the time. When Dalvin Cook signs, there's going to be scenarios where Brees Hall is falling in dynasty ranks somewhere in that 12, 13, 14 range, and people push back on me. And the one thing that since then I was able to look at, and I wish I was smart enough or quick enough at the time to talk about it, was Kenneth Walker at one point last year was RB1. Right, Adam. You and I saw this. Eric, you saw this. Like, just because of the Brees Hall injury, the the youth, everything, and what he was doing on the field, which was actually really good at the time, he was pushed up to RB one in Dynasty, and we said, sell him, sell him. Like, this is crazy. I love him, but sell him. He's reached his peak. He can't go any higher. Like, you can't go higher than one. It doesn't exist. Okay, that's a little quick math lesson for you there, by Mike. I'm I'm an idiot, but I know some things. You can't go higher than number one. Uh, Kenneth Walker, what happened to him? The team drafted a running back in Zach Charbonnet. They spent a second-round pick on a Zach Charbonnet. Now, this is no shade to Zach Charbonnet, but what has he done in the NFL that Dalvin Cook hasn't done? Actually play and fucking produce and actually do something at an elite level. If Dalvin Cook, an elite running back, who they were to sign in free agency and say, we want to pay money to him, Signs with the Jets. What happens to Brees' Hall dynasty Ray, right? It's going down to 10, 11, 12, 13, right? Like, it's just going to happen. People are going to go, oh, shit, this is a sign. They don't believe in Brees' Hall. They're worried about his knee. Whatever excuse you make. We did it for Kenneth Walker, who was at one time RB1, and dropped him all the way down to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, however people want to rank him. That's where he's at because of a guy who had to transfer from Michigan from not getting enough playing time, goes to the Pac-12, which is kind of a shitty conference, does well. I like the guy, but we've never seen him in, on an NFL field. I don't even know if he's good. I hope he's good, but we haven't seen him do anything. What I've seen Dalvin Cook be is an RB1 for multiple years, and that's the guy that's going to signal that, hey, maybe we don't believe in Brees Hall. It's going to happen to him. Now, do I think it's correct? No. No, I think Brees Hall, even on limited touches, can be an explosive playmaker. You know, if he gets 40% of the snap share, that's a guy at a 40% I would still want on my dynasty roster because he's he is that good. He is that explosive. He's that talented of a running back. And Dalvin Cook, even if he signs there, like you said, Eric, they want to offer him a one-year deal. They know. They know if we bring you on, Dalvin, we're just riding you out for one year. We're trying to make a push for a Super Bowl. Next year, your ass is on the street again looking for work, and you're going to be one of these guys like Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt or Zeke Elliott, like these kind of guys who are out there fighting for jobs or trying to bounce around. You know, hell, Le'Veon Bell, it seemed like he, he went to the Bucks and then he went to the Chiefs and, right, that end of career where you're just trying to be a mercenary trying to get a job and a contract. That's what they're signaling to Dalvin Cook's going to happen. So what's that mean for Brees Hall? Like, I just talked about Jonathan Taylor in 2024. What's that look like for Brees Hall, who will be, what, 24, 24 years old tops? With that, a full year removed from the ACL, Brees Hall is still somebody that I want on my Dynasty teams. I'm not panicked about it. And in redraft from that mindset, not just Dynasty, this is why I was so comfortable at him when we got him in the third round. It's like I'm just I'm looking for one-year upside, and there is nobody I can take in the third round that offers the upside because what if Dalvin Cook doesn't sign? What if, if it's like Javante Williams and he's ahead of schedule? I know they're bringing him along slowly, but shit, he may not play week one. He may not play week two, but what if he's full go and 100% by week three and he doesn't have any of that rust? I'm not saying he's going to be Adrian Peterson from a few years ago on the ACL, but if you're drafting Brees Hall as like RB12 in redraft and he gives you an RB4 season, holy Santa Claus shit, I just made money and it was on a third round pick. There's not a lot of guys in that range where I feel good like, oh yeah, I think this guy could be a top three, top four running back. Could it happen? Yeah, absolutely. I think it could, but... I'm not willing to make the bet. Brees Hall just sticks out like a sore thumb for me as far as upside appeal. And the risk to me is like, shit, any of these guys I take in the third round, any of these running risks. I don't even remember the other ones that were staring at us, like Travis Etienne. Who's to say this guy can't get hurt? Or who's to say he's any good? Or who's to say Tank Bigsby doesn't take a shit ton of work and all the goal line work like we're reading about in uh in the Twitter sphere at this point? So everybody carries risk. The only one that stood out to me like a sore thumb, as far as upside, was Brees Hall, and and still does. Dynasty redraft doesn't matter. I'm still willing to invest in.
0: Right, yeah, that's that's kind of how I want to play him too. He's got that upside. If I can get him, maybe round you know three or four, I'm happy with that. I think I've taken yes. him a couple times there. Yeah, we took and him in the
2: thir- the three four turn too, so it was literally the the last pick of the third round. So he, he I think his guy, value might uh, fall a little more. Go ahead, A.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, a couple of my best ball drafts that I've done, some redrafts uh, as well. Dalvin's like there in round eight, round nine, and that's like almost an auto pick for me too. Like, yes, to get that talented that's of late. a running back wow. that late, yeah, it's like nuts. Just because he doesn't have a, a name next, a team next to his well, name, that's know?
2: even better though. Like, I don't. Where no. is he going to go realistically? And you're like, oh man, I hate Dalvin Cook. There's a few. There's a few spots, but not like, many. Even,
0: even if I'm like in a redraft league and I, okay, I get Brees Hall in round three, okay, I'm okay taking Dalvin in round eight or nine, too. You know, I'll have them both. Fuck it. I'll start and them that, both. And that How would many be one of those. I started Chubb and Hunt together. Same thing.
2: I was just going to say that's a good, that's exactly where I was going to go. It's like, I think with Cook, it's not like, in years past where cook was the lead and madison is the the backup and you're drafting madison like here i'm drafting a handcuff you're in that situation i think drafting two running backs that have a chance to play for your team at the same week or they're not it's not a true handcuff situation right like that's where i'm okay with it
1: the one thing i'm gonna ask you eric too i don't know how many of these like underdog drafts you've done this off season but to me I, i just finished up like 40 or whatever the hell i started when i went down to florida but I'm I'm looking at them, and, it, and, and, and this correlates also with dynasty startup drafts, like when you do them, what time of the year you're doing them. And it seems like all these over the summer, especially with these running backs, you 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 touched on it, the the running backs who don't have a team next to their name, it just seems like are incredible values. Like they're almost auto picks for me. In, in a dynasty startup, if I'm in that contender or compete mode and I haven't gone like I want a productive struggle or I want to, you know, I'm not taking just value. I want an actual young team because I'm thinking of the future, traded everything. But uh, Dalvin Cook is one of them. Uh, Alvin Kamara, because it also seems like today, too, people are double counting the suspension. Like his ADP already said he was getting suspended. And now that it's like, oh, yeah, he's expected to get suspended. We're going to double count it again. He's fallen even more. Uh, Zeke Elliott. I I I fucking hate the Cowboys, man. I I can't stress this enough. I despise them, and I've never liked Zeke. But in these underdog drafts, it's like RB55 or something like that, something ridiculous. And I'm like, man, Zeke's playing somewhere, even if he's a two-down grinder and gets some goal line work. Like at RB55, the touchdown Uh appeal alone is worth it. Uh, It just seems like if you're a running back, Leonard Fournette's another one. Like I could see left tackle Lenny signing somewhere and having like three, four decent enough games where you could start them. So I really feel like, Eric, do you, do you also see that in yours where it, it feels like those guys, if they just don't have a team attached to it? DeAndre Hopkins was another one. That's not even a running back. He was a value for the longest time just because he didn't have a uh, uh, a team next to his name. Did you also see that, or do you feel the same way about those guys? If they don't have a team next to them, that's kind of like a little bit of an edge where you go, yeah, I'm good with it. Like the price is just oh, too yeah. good for me to say no to. Yeah,
0: and that happens every single year. If they're a free agent still and they're still hanging out there, they're always a value. It seems like, and it's, it's if you hit the right spot or the right guy, and he signs somewhere, and his value skyrockets like four or five rounds, man, you just made you know a bunch of bank. So yeah, I, I'm all in that. And then to your underdog question, I think I've done like five or six so far, and I just brought up one that I did. I think this is like when underdog first opened up. Um, so we didn't know much about you know Barkley and Eckler and Mixon and those guys. So I got uh, the twelfth pick in this one, and I got Barkley and Eckler on the turn there. And usually everyone in an underdog eats up receivers, but I'm like, man, getting Barkley and Eckler right here, and, and Bijan was still there too. Um, but I chose Barkley and Eckler just because I've seen them do it. And uh, Bijan didn't have a team yet because this was before the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah, and I got Joe Mixon at pick eighty four. So that's like. I don't know what, round seven, eight, somewhere in there.
2: Jesus.
0: Yeah, where I got Joe Mixon that far. So I have Barkley, Eckler, Najee Harris, and Joe Mixon on the same best ball team. So hopefully that team just smashes this year. I'm looking forward to good that.
2: night. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, I yeah, you, that's you that's can so. get some insane value when you draft early like that, especially like we just talked about with guys that don't have a team right now. Like Zeke and Fournette are probably good values. You can get those guys like – round 12 13 14 15 in that range on like a ffpc that i've been drafted on stuff like that you can get those guys that late and tremendous value i think like I and mean, we can talk about it real quick but like i think zeke resigns back with dallas i think that's where he's ultimately gonna end up
1: i, I like that yes i mean yeah. the later I it mean, goes it just, the more and more it
2: logical it seems right
0: right yeah he's just gonna have to eat his ego for a minute the hair and you know, re-sign back there one year, three mil, something like that. He's not going to be the lead back, but, hey, he can come in there and still do his role. Pollard can still do his thing, and they can roll together. I mean, it's like Aaron Jones and a- A.J. Dillon together. Same thing. Um, Leonard Fournette, I think maybe – I'm thinking Vegas. I think Vegas makes a good landing spot for him. Vegas, without, baby. yeah, baby. Without, yeah, um, without Jacobs right now, I mean, he could easily go in there and be the workhorse there. That's kind of what I think. Kareem Hunt, I really have no idea. I haven't heard anybody even really interested in him, so I don't know there. But I was um, going to say
2: with with him, I see a I see a Zeke scenario where he he wanted to whine and cry and pout his way out of here all offseason, not knowing what the market would be and You got nowhere to go, and Cleveland doesn't have right. a actual second running back unless you really like Jerome Ford, which I I kind of do, but not over the uh, right. sure thing of. Having a guy like him that knows the offense and stuff, so if he would come back and kind of like you said with Zeke, eat his ego, put his ego aside a little bit, n- you know the system, you're comfortable. I, I could see that being a very uh, similar thing with him, for sure. Yep.
0: Um, all right, last little topic I wanted to get into before we end up here. Um, obviously, I mentioned I'm doing that home redraft league this weekend. What is like? <laughs> do you guys still do like home redraft leagues in person or anything like that? A few
2: of them. I was actually going to mention real quick on this topic. You, you mentioned like Dalvin cook in the eighth and sure. ninth. And I think this is a point in general on this redraft. I don't do nearly as many of them as dynasty, obviously, but in a handful of them. So if you think about what the ninth round means, if you're in a 12 team league, like that's already pick 96, if it's the nine Oh one. So you look at like just ADP and you just think about to yourself, when you get to this range, like I think one of the, The reasons that the free agents that you're talking about have value is if a guy like Dalvin Cook, if you miss on him, okay, you miss. But if he hits and if he gets a good landing spot and he ends up being, you know, of value, like that can matter in a redraft league. Whereas, like, just think about what you're going to be like, I don't want to take that risk. But you're not taking any risk. You're being conservative as hell and it's not going to get you anything probably. You're, You're drafting, you know, in this range, Brian Robinson. I mean, Mike, I don't. This is video. So you're going to see his face. Yeah. I mean, you're getting, you know, uh, Samaj P Ryan and, 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 you know, Khalil Herberts and there's just not, it's not like you're, you're drafting some, you know, potential stud like, like Zeke, like, uh, Dalvin cook could be right. You're, you're drafting probably more of a safe play. Um, and in reality in those rounds, I'd rather draft more aggressively and miss and then figure out how to do it on the waiver wire. So I think that's one of the, the common misconceptions and why those guys are values.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. The Kareem Hunt one is interesting, too, because I haven't heard a single word about him getting a visit no. anywhere or, you know, like, oh, you know, Kareem Hunt's visiting the Cowboys or he's visiting the the reunion with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're bringing him in the building just to see what he's got or has well, a workout or
2: nothing. Just, right. just think about it from the perspective of an NFL team. The running back market is filled with running backs right now, right? Those guys aren't even getting visits. But what do you have with Creamer? Hunt? This is a guy that just whined and pounded all last year. This is a guy that has domestic violence issue on his side, right? Yes. Like, yes. like you think about all the downside that he has in a market, which is terrible. Like, it's – I don't think he's going to be nearly one of the first to go unless he just ends up taking right. a crazy, criminally cheap deal and someone's like, all right, we'll take him.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the most he would have to get is, like, what, $2 million at the most is probably yeah. what he's going to get.
2: Really? I mean, and that, and that sounds crazy. Um, but uh, you're not, that's, it's not, that's the reality. It's And and he wasn't
1: very good last year. Let's, let's keep that. He he
2: wasn't. And I I think part of it was his head wasn't in it. And then also like, he's getting older. He didn't look like he had the juice either. So he looks definitely, definitely concerning, man. Definitely concerning with him.
1: Right. Eric, you asked about home leagues. Yeah. I I still do one. It's been going the league itself has been going for like 30 some years at this point. Like, it's been a while. Okay. Nice. It's, uh, you know, I was just a little tot when that thing started. Uh, yeah. And I got into it when I was, I think I was 14. I think I was 14 was my first year into it. Been in it ever since. It was, uh, my stepdad started it. It was a work league, um, you know, and over the years, they, they kind of lost some guys. And, you know, uh, that eventually I got into it. And, uh, you know, I was the guy who ended up winning it a few times, right? A little flex right yeah. there. You know, won it a nice. few times. and some of the older guys got out and we've kept it going uh there's still some original members in it but i run the league now um you know and keep track of it we still do the draft in person so it's in one of the guys nice. who's uh Love who's it. one of the one of the ogs we we go to the draft and we do it in his garage uh it's the weekend before labor day oh, every single yeah. year this time every awesome. single year hell yeah uh he always smokes like uh some pork loin and we kind of bring a potluck and your booze and we sit around and draft so the biggest nice. thing I had was a couple of years ago. I got him to switch over to Sleeper, uh, converted them from ESPN because I fuck. I mean, as much shit as I will give you about MFL, Erica, ESPN, uh, Yahoo, <laughs> CBS Sports. I was going like, to say I,
2: for I a, <laughs> for a rosy start to the America's game over on South Harmon, we we have hit controversy. Uh, Sleeper MFL. This is you know like well, an eye on the is, edges. I give and, it
1: i give Eric all the shit about MFL I can, but you know, if I'm choosing... Yeah, if I got to make a choice between those. playing on ESPN or MFL, I'll oh, take MFL yeah. 100 nah, times. I'm with you. The,
2: the other platforms, yeah. the like more mainstream ones like that are... and I still have a redraft league that's um I'm probably not going to be doing this year that was on Yahoo. In the last couple years, dude, like it's honestly just before I even open my app, I don't want to do it because I know how much I hate it, just opening right. the app. Forget the rest of all it right. like it made it harder for me to even want to care. It's weird, it's but it's just the reality. I have all these other leagues I want to open, I would just constantly it's the platforms that bad. I just don't even want to I don't even want to touch it.
0: Right. I'm that's this is one of my things that I do hate about my fantasy leagues is I literally have them on like six or seven different platforms. So I have yeah, that's tough. I have a couple on Yahoo that I always do. I obviously have MFL, Sleeper. I have a this home league that I'm doing um, Saturday is on Fantrax. Fantrax is it's okay, but it's nothing great. Um, two of the other ones that I do, my longest-running one is on NFL.com. We switched over from Yahoo to that. I actually really, really like NFL.com's um, fantasy setup and how they have theirs. So if you're uh, looking for like a spot to do them, NFL.com, I'd recommend. Um,
2: I don't think I've ever yeah, done not- a, a league over there. Okay.
0: Yeah. NFL.com is a good one. Um, and there's, uh, I got another one, a guy from work this year, got me into something new. Uh, I forget what the hell it's called. It's like RTS or something like that. Um, so mm-hmm. I got like, yeah, like seven different platforms. I'm doing leagues on it's crazy. So, um, but no, it's get, getting into my last question here real quick before we wrap up. Um, what is some of the best advice you can give and what are something you like always screw up and you're like, or always something that you mess up every single year in the redraft league. So kind of just want to end it on
2: that. Mm, I like this both sides Mike. go ahead.
1: All right. So the best advice I can give, and this is something that I've, I've, I've embraced. It doesn't matter if it's redraft, it's dynasty. It's, it's whatever. Just, just take a breath, right? Like the Aaron Rodgers thing, just, just relax. Just relax. It's not life or death. Remember what you're doing it for. It's for fun. Relax. R E L A X. Relax. The whole draft just needs to be about you being water, right? I use the Mike Lou phrase from from way back in the day, right? The, the, the wolf pack. You remember that one, Adam? The
0: wolf pack. Fans are coming to town. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to go see Michael Vick. So this is like 2003, I think it was, or 2002, something like that and I'm like, man, Michael Vick's coming to town. I want to go see him in the preseason. It's like week two of the preseason. Uh, week one, he plays Baltimore and gets his leg snapped in half. I'm like, oh, no, I don't even get to see Michael Vick. I think probably Matt Shaw was the backup or something. Yep. So that was one of my my, like – bad takeaways about that. I'm like, oh man, I wanted to see Vic and I didn't get to see him. I did get to see Algie crumpler though. And that guy is massive. I don't know if you remember <laughs> him as a tight end. Yes. I was like, that is like the biggest human I've ever seen in my life uh, was algae crumpler. But the one that I remember watching a lot, um, I'm sure Adam remembers this. It was like week four of the preseason. I don't remember what year. Uh, so the Browns are battling. I think they had um, Ben Tate was a running back and, I forget who the other running back was. So they had a couple running backs, but then Isaiah Crowell week four against the bears goes for like 140 yards and like two touchdowns in the final preseason game. And the Browns, were like forced to keep him because there was no way this guy was uh, going to go through waivers and back to the practice squad. So they had to keep, him. he fought his way onto the team. So that was one of my favorite preseason memories of watching Crowell go crazy and nuclear. And he actually ended up being like the best Browns running back that year too. Cause Ben Tate was garbage and whoever else we had sucked too. So, so that was one it. of my, I absolutely one of my, love that. Yeah. One of my good memories from, uh, from fantasy or from, uh, preseason
2: but we we all have some really dark preseason memories and um (laughs) eric's a very that's such a browns answer gosh i love that there's a browns fan out of here right
0: yeah because we're the browns you're like man i'm watching all these guys because it's they matter you know it's it's not like we have you have have
2: to remember for everyone watching that's not a browns fan you have to try to put yourselves in the shoes of this team is always out of it in the second half of the season so you know these fans have been waiting for forever to have something to watch where you have hope, and that's the preseason. A lot of times, you know, because it's not the draft for us. We always screw the draft up, so it's the preseason. All right. Yep. It,
1: exactly and right. it was. It was two seasons of Victor Cruz. It was okay. He, he had. He had, He was undrafted in 2010. He had that explosive preseason. He had like 140 yards in one game, and a couple touchdowns. He made the roster. But he, he hurt his hamstring like the third game. So he finished the 2010 season with zero catches, <laughs> zero targets, zero. And then the next year he comes out, has a good preseason, makes a roster again. Steve Smith goes down, UFC or USC Steve Smith, and he has 1,500 yards, right? Like out of nowhere. Victor Cruz fifteen hundred yards from being undrafted. So it was I wasn't crazy. I thought it was two preseasons in a row because it was like I watched one and I'm like, how the hell is this guy not the best player on the team? Right. And then and then you got the disappointment. But he did pull his hamstrings so he didn't play for the rest of the year. It's crazy. Crazy.
2: Love good, the preseason memories. memories, man. Love the preseason yeah. memories.
0: Yep, good memories. That was a good uh favorite game to uh, start podcasting in, that's for sure.
2: Speaking of which, uh, you know, tomorrow when you when you go to see this you'll um no one is playing in the uh the packers and browns um you know canton football game but football is back man officially starting tomorrow you mean, you jets
1: mean, you mean tomorrow? the browns and jets man what if did i say the, <laughs> these are the packers,
2: packers. i'm, I'm thinking of i'm thinking of Rodgers there we go yeah. man yeah. see my brain is i can't admit he's a jet yet wow that's bad hey see?
0: Zach wilson starting
2: boom you know,
0: Again, against against Kellen Mond, it's going to be a great. great there's
2: game a there's go. a big race to see, um, you know, if it's going to be Zach Wilson or Trey Lance that actually matters in the preseason.
1: I might bet some like uh some Dorian Thompson Robinson, Cedric Tillman props. <laughs> like I might go, right. we might throw that in, right? D.T.R.
0: Sean Hall for the Browns, right? Yeah,
2: Just
1: who's pop, that uh, man? Who's that Who's that new Victor Cruz, right? New York. <laughs> Jason Brownlee. Oh, Is that Jason the guy? <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah. God, he'll, he'll, he'll
0: get a lot of run tomorrow.
1: So. He
2: will.
0: But uh, no, I, I appreciate you guys joining me on this uh, first podcast. I'm excited to be with you guys on this little journey that we're going on together. So I'm uh, super excited for this, man. Appreciate you guys having me on and uh, welcoming, to, welcoming me to the team.
2: Yeah, man. Welcome Hello. to the Hello, welcome man. to the team. Um, You know, this won't be as warm and receptive every week. This is the, you know, <laughs> we're getting the warm and fuzzies out of the way and right. be some more, a little more, a little more heated debates. It'll be awesome. I'm looking forward to it, man. Glad to have you on. Glad to have America's yeah. Game on South Harmon. Um, the season being yeah. back is, it's been a fun but long offseason like it always is. And I'm ready for football to yeah. be back. And we'll have a lot of debates and good stuff here with America's yeah. Game. But happy to have you on, man. And thanks for, thanks for putting it over here. We're, we're excited for it.
1: Thanks, I appreciate Eric. it. For-
0: Yep. So make sure you guys follow the South Harmon Dynasty football podcast feed. You can get it on any of your podcast networks. Follow that. The show is going to be posted there every Thursday morning for you. Uh, we, we're usually going to record this on Wednesdays. Um, it'll go up on YouTube as well on Thursdays. Uh, the YouTube is YouTube.com uh, at South Harmon FF. And South Harmon FF.com is the website as well. Uh, obviously, we have Mind Warped over there. We have the Koopas, uh warp tool as well uh we're gonna have articles on there and stuff like that i'm gonna probably start writing some stuff to put on the website as well at times so we have all that kind of cool shit coming for you guys so make sure you guys follow all those um And, you know, look forward to seeing what we got going on there. And then you can follow me at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter and at America's Game Pod. Still the same podcast um, Twitter from before. So make sure you guys follow both of those as well. And then um, I'll let you guys close it out with your uh, handles as well.
2: Yeah, man. Um,
1: uh, you know where to find our shit,
0: and you yeah. don't want to find our
2: shit. You know, <laughs> at, at, at ATM40Chess on Twitter, but uh, you know, you you just tap into this this YouTube and catch us. Uh, if you are someone that does like to listen to podcasts and didn't know, apparently, Mike, we've had this out there, and a lot of people didn't even know that existed. This will be a good don't way worry. to get people to know now. You know,
1: I'm going to promote the shit out of it. It'll be on the YouTube, and then you'll have all the links, everything that you need. But, yeah, you know, there's
2: nothing to promote outside of what he, Eric did, man. But no. You, you find us where you find Eric now. That's it.
1: Yeah. That's it. Same place. For sure. For sure. He, he gets and, to I get to
2: say,
0: and I get to say fuck again, and I don't get yelled for it. Yeah. You just that, can't or... say
2: it in the first two minutes now. Just remember yeah. that. All right? Fuck,
0: fuck, fuckity fuck. All right. We're good. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Let's
2: America's game is back. We are out of here. Peace. <laughs>